how you guys doing today? Don't worry, I'm not preaching this morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to uh, acknowledge um, the seniors uh, because, you know, we really care for them and we've loved them for, you know, their whole time growing up here. They're the future of the church and we're excited to see the next steps in their faith and as they move on. Um, just a little story like... Um, this transition from high school to college is why I got into youth ministry. I see so many students that do not only graduate from high school, but they graduate from their faith. And so my challenge to you guys as, as seniors, to hold on strong, um, to hold on to your faith and to allow it to just envelop your entire life. Um, because college, there is, you know, all sorts of situations that challenge your faith. And um, just we'll be praying for you. Don't forget that. So um, we have some books and Bibles. So if those seniors could come up and grab a book and Bible and stay up here real quick. Seniors, I think there's just two here today. But we have, I think, five or six. So um, I'm giving a book called Outrageous Academic Faithfulness. And it kind of deals with that transition between high school and college. It's written by, you know, one of... Uh, an author I really look up to, um, and we're excited to see them go. But before they sit down, I want to pray for them, but also I want them to kind of share what they're doing next year, um, what they're looking forward to, so we can continue to pray specifically. So say your name and what you're going to do next year. Hi, I'm Josh Duft. Um, I'm probably not going to go to college next year because I'm looking into a DTS somewhere. Hoping it's going to be Maui, because <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be nice. So, yeah, that's what I'm planning on doing next year. Um, I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm going to be attending Texas State University next fall in San Marcos, Texas. And I'm not sure what I'm going to study, but I'm going to be warm for a whole year, not just two months out of the year. So I'm really excited about that. All right. Let me pray for you guys, and then you guys can sit down. Lord, Father, I just thank you for these brothers in Christ, and uh, I thank you for the hard work that they've put in and the successes that they've had in high school, Lord, Father. Um, Lord, I pray for uh, Josh, and, you know, I just pray that um, you put him in a place where you want him, Lord, Father, and that uh, it's somewhere warm like Maui. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for Bryce and um, I pray that you are just with him as he goes on to Texas, and uh, I pray that... Um, you not only keep him warm, but also just surround him by um, your love and your hands of protection, Lord Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning. morning. Welcome home. So glad you're here. Um, It's time for Children's Church. If you're between the ages of three and fifth grade, upstairs is where the fun is for you. We're going to be having fun down here. Um, God, God's kind of a split-level God. He's going to be up there with you down here with us. It's all good. All right, all right. Um, so glad you're here. Please grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, there might be one under the seat in front of you. If there is, that's yours to keep if you want it. Um, we're going to be all over the place today. We're going to be uh, start by opening up in... Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7. Today, we conclude the Rolling Stones series. 
Um, we've been in this since Easter, and five weeks ago on Easter Sunday, we all ag- agreed to identify a Rolling Stone prayer. Is this too hot? It's a little too hot. Can you bring me down a little bit? Because I, I have a tendency to, maybe you haven't heard, shout a little bit. I just get excited. Well, we each identified a Rolling Stone prayer on Easter Sunday, something that we were desperate for Jesus to do in our hearts, in our lives. Um, And we believe that just as on Easter, Jesus rolled away the huge stone from his tomb and and walked out into new life, we believe that God would um, roll away this seemingly um, immovable stone in our own lives, and we agreed to pray that Rolling Stone prayer throughout the Rolling Stone series and see how God would work. And it's amazing. It has been amazing. I have gotten conversations, letters, uh, emails, texts uh, about how God has, has moved and, and done some wonderful things in your lives. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. So some of you may be wondering, why is the stone back? I mean, last week, didn't we move the stone? Didn't we roll that stone away? Um, We did. We did. Uh, In faith to symbolize the fact that God was rolling away these seemingly immovable stones in our our hearts and in our lives. Um, But not everybody is there. Not everybody is there. Some of you have a rolling stone um, prayer, and you've been praying that prayer, you've initialed the stone, you've written on the stone, and you've hoped and you've prayed and the stone hasn't budged. What's up with that? What's up with that? So this message is for you. It's titled, When the Stone Doesn't Roll. And if that's where you are this morning, um, this is for you. And if that's not where you are this morning, then, then praise God, you know, um, that's great. But you and I will be there and, and probably soon because we all get there uh, at some time or another. The things we hope for, the th- things we pray for, the things we count on God for, he seemingly does not do. And, and so this is for you this morning as well. Um, we all get there. We all get there at one time or another. We have this desperate need, this deep longing, this great desire, this, that, this hopeless situation, this immovable obstacle. And you pray for Jesus to roll away the stone and you wait and, and it seems like nothing happens. And King David was, was in this place. You don't need to turn there. I'm just gonna share with you. When he wrote um, the 13th Psalm and he said, how long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? And, 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 and the truth is that some of you are there. Some of you know exactly where David was when it feels like God has forgotten you. And, and what we do, what we tend to do when we get to that place is we tend to spiral down in our hearts Where are you, God? Where are you? I hear that you love me. I know that you love me, but I just can't feel it anymore. 
Do you even hear my prayers anymore? Do you even know how torn up I am inside about this? Do you even care? How about your power? How about your power? Is that for everybody else except for me? Do you even care? Have you forgotten me? Have you abandoned me? Are you even there? Do you even exist? And that is a very real and a very dark place to get to. And, and Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much and he doesn't want you in that place. And, and I love you and I don't want you in that place. Our stone might not be budging. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning before we end this Rolling Stone series. We're going to look, there are a lot of reasons in the Bible why this might be true. We're going to look at some of the most common. And, and what I'd ask is for you to allow the Holy Spirit to do sort of a, uh, a diagnosis on your heart and, and see if one or more of these reasons might be what's in play in your life. Okay, so we're in, we're in Matthew 7. We'll take a look at, uh, at the first uh, reason the stone um, may not be rolling. Um, maybe you've given up on prayer. Maybe you stopped praying in faith. Matthew 7, we'll pick it up in verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Now, now, the tense of these verbs, ask, seek, knock, the tense in the original Greek is, is that you're doing it and that you continue to do it. That it's happened, it is happening, and it will continue to happen. So, the message here is keep it up. Keep it up. Don't quit. Jesus is saying, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Pray and keep on praying. Don't quit. Don't stop. Your answer to your prayer is closer than the time when you first uttered it. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. That stone is going to roll. He said it would. Don't give up. Don't give up. In Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham this. First of all, I, I, in, this, in this example, I don't want you to mistake God's, God's timing for him forgetting about you, okay? Because Abraham didn't. In, in Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham at the age of 75, what promise does he make? He doesn't promise him um, a condo in Boca Raton with its own shuffleboard court. He doesn't promise him that. He promises him a son. He's going to, he's going to with his wife Sarah, he's going to have a son through which God is going to bring the Savior, the Lord, our rescuer, Jesus Christ. Right? And 25 years and nine chapters later, in God's perfect timing, Isaac is born to his wife, Sarah. 25 years and nine chapters of the Old Testament later, 
God has a plan. God has a timetable. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. You need a real life example. It's sitting right there with the blue shirt. Marlene. Marlene prayed and prayed and prayed. She loved her husband, Roger, dearly. And the thing she wanted most for Roger was that he would know Jesus Christ and be set free in the same way that we sang about. No chains on me. His heart, his soul saved and loved. And she prayed and prayed for years and decades. And before he died, before he died, he received Jesus Christ and had a beautiful faith and knew God and he knew he was going home and that's where he is praise God that you did not give up because the stone didn't roll on day one because it rolled and his world is forever changed because of it his eternity is forever changed because of it the gospel is about persevering if you're in the place this morning where you've given up You can't pray anymore. You can't hope anymore. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you need some people gathering around you to say, we're going to carry this stone until Jesus rolls it. We're going to bear your burden. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. That's what the church is about. I hope you'll let people do that. The second reason your stone may not be rolling may be that you're trying to love two masters trying to love two masters. Now, what I mean by that is this. Maybe your rolling stone prayer is for Jesus to roll away uh, the stone of a particular sin in your life, but you find yourself still being crushed by that same sin, by that same habit, by that same mistake, that bad judgment, that, that same thing. First, we got to know that Jesus desires to, is able to, and absolutely will roll away every stone of sin that we really want him to, that we really desire him to roll away. The question is, is that what we really want in our hearts? Is that what we really want? Or do we really want to be pardoned from the punishment of our sin, but not to be set free from its power over us, at least not yet? We're just enjoying it a little too much. It's, it's like we, we want to play with our sin. We want to manage it. We want to put our sin on a diet, make it controllable. The only thing to do with sin is to kill it, is to kill it. That is true repentance. That is true repentance. That's the message of the cross. Jesus says in Mark 9, if your hand offends you, if your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, gouge it out. It is better to enter into life imperfect or, or, or cut with, with, with pieces missing than to be whole and to be cast into hell. What he's saying here is not take a hacksaw and start cutting off your limbs. Think about it. If you're a guy and you, and you struggle with lust, you struggle with pornography, if you gouge your eyes out because you see women as sexual objects to fulfill your desire and you gouge your eye out, how's that gonna help? I, can, I could do that right in here. I'm struck blind, I still got that problem. So he's talking about do whatever it takes. 
Do whatever it takes to kill sin, to kill sin. You either kill it in the power of God or it will kill you. One of you is going to die. One of you is going to die. And sometimes we love our sin more than we love Jesus. And the gospel, the cross says that he was killed for our sins so that in his power, we might kill sin. And, and if that's you and your repentance, your, your prayer has been remove this thing from me, but I still want to do it. But I still want to go there. It's more than the thing. It's a heart condition. So in a sense, we're asking Jesus to roll away the stone, but then we're living lives that are pushing in the opposite direction to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. You know, and I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. But it's time that we get tired of our old life and and put it to death so that we can really live. Third reason your stone may not be rolling away is you may not be praying for God's will. You may not want the all-knowing, all-loving thing that God wants. Wait, before, before I go on, I made, a, I made a mistake. I got to tell you scripturally how that plays out. Um, in Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I just want you to know that this comes from the Bible and I'm not making it up. If I had cherished, if I had loved sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to my prayer to remove sin because I still love it and I don't love him enough. So that's where that comes from. That's, that's the truth. So the third reason uh, may be that we're not praying for God's will. We may not want the all-knowing, all-loving God to uh, call the shots. That can be a trap as we pray, you know? That can be a subtle trap. The way we pray can try to... Um, fool us and make us into God. We're going to call the shots that as Christians, as long as we pray for something and we tag on in Jesus' name, then it's like rubbing the lamp and genie Jesus now has to do whatever we ask. No, he, he still gets to be God. He still gets to be God, right? Um, who are we to know what's best in eternity for us? I can't even leave the house without having to go in front of my wife to make sure I'm not committing a fashion crime and bringing shame upon the family and the church. You know what I'm saying? This is the, the third shirt I've worn this morning. I kid you not. This True, right? And I'm going to tell God, like, how my life should play out. Have you ever caught yourself praying this way? I mean, I, sometimes I catch myself and I'm praying for something and, I, and I'll, I'll make a request of God and I'll actually give him options, right? Right, okay, here's what I want and here I think this is the best way to work it out. Here's another option you may not have thought of. You can work it out this. I think like the angels go, hey dude, get over here, he's praying. You gotta hear this. Really? Really? We come to the end of ourselves 
we have to think about the future. We have to put away our Western kind of linear thinking. I mean, this is kind of unique to our part of the world. We think everybody thinks this way. Everything has to work like this. We have this linear thinking and we limit God. We say, God, this is the future. And maybe you don't even know what. God does not only know the future. God is already in it for you, preparing a way for you. He's not waiting to see what happens. Somebody once said it's like um, watching, you know, a parade if you're, if you're standing. I mean, this is imperfect, but every example is a little imperfect when we talk about God. But if we're on the street and we watch the parade go by, you, you're seeing only the part that's going before you. But if, if you were to watch it from uh, the rooftop of, of a, a tall building, um, you see the whole thing. You see the whole thing all at once. It's, it's over even as it's begun, and it's beginning even... A, do, do you understand? And this God who sees all of eternity says, trust me to lead you into the way that I've designed things to work. Let me lead you into joy. Let me lead you into peace. Let me lead you into freedom. And yet we know. We need to pray like Jesus prayed um, in, in Mark 14. Jesus is about to suffer indescribable torture and death on the cross for our sins and sins of the world. He is praying to God for his stone to be rolled away. And his stone is not this size. It is, it is, it's the globe on his heart, on his shoulders. The sin of all time, of all people. Everything that you've ever done, I've ever done. Everything that's ever been done to us forever. And he's about to suffer for this. And he prays in verse 36, Mark 14, 36. He says, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, all things are possible for you. There's no stone too big. No stone too big. Remove this cup from me. Roll away this stone. Please roll away this stone. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, but what you will. Will you and I let God be God and pray for his will and know that it is more beautiful and perfect and informed and loving than ours is, than ours is. If, if you're having a battle of wills with God, I'd ask you to make that right this morning. You can make that right this morning and say, here's the cry of my heart. But beyond that, I know you know, and I know you love, and I know you care. And I'll go with your plan. And I'll praise you. And I'll love you no matter what. Because the tragedy is so many of us, if God isn't being God the way we think he should be God, we're going to punish him by not following him. Really? Really? 
his heart is toward you. He has given everything for you. When I was at my worst, he died for me. And knowing everything there is to know about me, things I don't even know about myself, he still loves me, gave himself for me. So I'll repent and I'll be broken and I'll kill my sin and I'll kill my will apart from his and say, even when it seems like you're not in control, I'll trust you. I'll trust you because you're good. The last reason um, your stone may not be rolling is God loves you too much and he's protecting you from something that's far worse. The Apostle Paul, (laughs) a very, very godly man, had just been given this visit to heaven, this vision of heaven. And um, he comes back and he's now having what scholars believe to be a very painful, very painful eye problem. They believe in in the scriptures, in this verse, it doesn't specify that, but but in other places, uh, they believe it's a serious, painful eye problem. It's not that he's running low on contact solution. This is is severe, right? And so uh, that's where we pick it up. Watch what happens. 2 Corinthians, we're in the 12th chapter, picking it up in uh, verse 7. Paul writes, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the things he'd seen, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, that this stone, this burden, this wound, this suffering might be, should leave me. But he said to me, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Maybe one of the reasons that Jesus hasn't rolled away the stone is because if he rolls away that stone, he knows we'll roll away with it. And it could just be that the great pain that in his love he has allowed to remain in your life is because he knows that although that will hurt your body, that that will hurt your heart, that rolling it away will drive you from him and your dependence on him and that will kill your soul and that's something that he and you don't want. Don't want. And so he was keeping Paul in utter dependence And if he solves all my problems, he may just know that I think I don't need him anymore and roll away just like the stone did. If the stone doesn't roll away because Jesus is protecting you, here's what he does. He says he offers grace, undeserved love, undeserved favor, If he doesn't roll this stone away, here's what he does. He steps around and stands between you and the stone and he holds you. That's what he's saying to Paul. My love, my grace, my presence is enough. 
And so while I won't roll it away, because that's what's best for you, I won't make you carry it alone. I'll stand between it and you and hold you. Is that enough for you? He says it is. He says it is. But the question for us who are in the situation is, in your heart, is that what you really desire? Is that, is that enough? And that's where we are. That's where we are. So we have these desperate things. And, and the question, the bottom line question is, are we more desperate for our Rolling Stone prayer to be answered the way we want it? Or are we more desperate for Jesus? Is he enough? Do we, are we more desperate for the blessings of God than we are desperate for God? Are we more interested in God so that he can make our lives better or that he could be our lives? That's the bottom line. And it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And I have, over the last weeks, read all the names and the initials and the painful past and, and the forgiveness things and the fears and prayed over them for you. And the answer, mine are on here too. The answer for every single person, the answer for every single prayer is Jesus. And the question is, are we more desperate to have that happen the way we wish or are we more desperate for him? That's the bottom line. And he wants to lead us to the place where we can say, no matter what is going on, no matter what the future holds, though I might lose my money, though I might lose my house, though I might lose my job, though I might lose my health, though I might lose my Quincy, though I might lose my life. We had a cancer scare right before Easter. <laughs> Isn't that always the way it happens, right? Though I might lose it all. It'll be okay if I can just have Jesus. If I can just have Jesus. That's where he wants my heart. That's where he wants your heart. Because if we will allow him to get us there, there is no stone too big or immovable. It'll carry you through with joy and peace when it makes absolutely no sense. And like Roger, it's not just for this life. It's for all eternity. So Jesus rolls some stones away. He leaves others there. And here's the bottom line too. For all the things we've just studied and looked at, sometimes we don't know we don't know. And, and, and believers, please hear me on this. 
When we don't know, don't pretend like you do because we sound so foolish. Really, it's okay not to reason sometimes. And just trust and love. I learned this. I'm still learning it, but my greatest lesson in this was my father. I've already lived longer than he did. I'm 45. He, he died at the age of 44. When he was 42 years old, um, this very um, active, articulate man um, had a very violent seizure in the middle of the night. And we learned soon that he had a very ugly, very aggressive form of brain cancer. And um, he, we prayed. That was like our big rolling stone prayer as a family. You know, God, heal him. God, heal him. Um, and he just deteriorated and got worse and worse and worse. And he lost his ability to move and he lost his ability to speak and he lost his ability to see. And all through this, I became more bitter and more bitter and more bitter. God, I pleaded with you. I have begged you. I have prayed in a way, every good way I know how. And, and you're not, you're not healing him, but not my dad. The more that was physically taken from him, the greater his love for the Lord grew. It was, it was crazy. He would just, in fact, he, he, he just would praise God constantly, constantly. And one night he had lost, uh, he's almost completely blind and he would sit in his rocker, his recliner, and just rock a little bit like this and move his lips. <laughs> so it's like me reading he, even silently, you move your lips. So we knew he was praying. And, um, and he bursts out in, this, in this, um, these words. He says, something wonderful, something wonderful, George, George. And, and immediately we knew who he was talking about because I have a cousin, George. I was about 20 at the time. George was in his late 20s. Um, George also had cancer. George lived in New York. We lived in New Orleans. Um, and so they had been in touch and my, my father was praying for him. George did not know Jesus. Uh, and George had cancer of a very bad kind. It was wrapping around his spinal cord and, and it was taking his life quickly. And, and so my dad would not calm down until I um, agreed to call my Aunt Sally, George's mom. So I get on the phone and I, and I say, Sal... Um, my dad has been praying and he's going off on something wonderful happening to George. And she was angry and a little skeptical because she says, well, um, that's fine and well and good, but things have gotten worse, much worse. In fact, it is tightening to the point where the doctors are preparing us for the worst and um, it's gonna take his life. In fact, um, there's not much they can do. He's got a series of tests, but um, coming up in the next day or two. And uh, they're just preparing us to bury him. And I said, I, I called and he nodded. Well, I was home from college a couple of nights later. And the phone rings and, and I jump up from dinner and, and get it. Um, and I can't hear anything but sobbing on the other end of the phone. And it's my Aunt Sally. And she calls and says, it's gone. They can't find 
anything, George is healed. And I, I, I drop the phone and run to tell my parents and my dad, just nods and smiles and says, praise God. And Jesus rolled that stone away for George. And my father still suffered, but he praised God because although he had not been cured, he had been healed. Do you get what I'm saying? He died two months later. Some stones roll and some don't. And the question we got to ask is, is Jesus enough? Particularly when we don't know. When we don't know. Let me, let me plead with you. Let him be enough. Let him be enough. That's life. That's freedom. That's joy. And that's the only way people like me and people like you are getting home. Before we close, if you had a Rolling Stone prayer, if you have a Rolling Stone prayer, rolled away or not, I'd ask you to stand. Many of you have come through the whole series. Come on. Yeah. Have you had one? All right. I want you to see what God has done. I want you to see what God has done. If God has moved mightily in your life and, and rolled away one of those stones over the last five weeks, or I'd like you to sit. Praise God. Praise God. I'd like you to see what God is doing. Everybody who is standing, this, we're connected. You get this body thing? Your stone is not just your stone, Kathy. It's mine because we're connected. We're a body. And that means they don't hold their stones. They don't pray for their stones alone. In fact, Jesus says that he intercedes for us. He is praying for us even as we pray. So we're going to be Jesus. And as we sing our last song, I'd ask that nobody standing would stand alone, that we would come alongside them and pray for them and intercede for them and, and, and just pray that Jesus would be enough. Yes, that he would show himself strong. But if he does not show himself strong by rolling the stone away, that he would show himself strong by becoming their everything. Don't let anyone go without prayer. I'm asking those of you seated to come around these people. Ask them, intercede for them, lift them up. God is good.